The Holy Gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ according to Luke. Glory to you, Lord Christ. At that very time, there were some present who told Jesus about the Galileans whose blood Pilate had mingled with their sacrifices. He asked them, Do you think that because these Galileans suffered in this way, they were worse sinners than all other Galileans? No, I tell you. But unless you repent, you will all perish as they did. Or those 18 who were killed when the Tower of Siloam fell on them, do you think that they were worse offenders than all of the others living in Jerusalem? No, I tell you. But unless you repent, you will all perish just as they did. Then he told this parable. A man had a fig tree planted in his vineyard, and he came looking for fruit on it and found none. So he said to the gardener, See here, for three years I have come looking for fruit on this fig tree, and still I find none. Cut it down. Why should it be wasting the soil? He replied, Sir, let it alone for one more year, until I dig around it and put manure on it. If it bears fruit next year, well and good. But if not, you can cut it down. The Gospel of the Lord. When I moved to San Jose six and a half years ago, I had already been vegetable gardening for 44 years. And seven of those years, I was gardening right here in, in the Bay Area in Cupertino. So I thought I knew how to grow vegetables. And I was eager to do that, and there was not a space in the rectory. So the first Christmas, all of our adult children and their spouses came down the day after Christmas, and they built me four, four beautiful raised redwood planting beds to grow vegetables in. I was thrilled. We had bought all of the, um, the things that were needed. We got the redwood, we got the corner brackets, we got the screws, and I had several yards of compost delivered. So they built them all and they wheelbarrowed in this compost and my husband put in a drip system and I was a happy camper. So I shuffled off to the nursery and I got my favorite uh, winter vegetables and I planted them. And I was so delighted with them that I took pictures and I posted them on Facebook. It is possible some of you remember those pictures, <laughs> yeah. Anyway, so fast forward about four months, and my plants are small, and they're spindly, and their vegetable production is somewhere between slim and none. Very disappointing, am I right? Yes, and I was. Fortunately, I have two daughters with degrees in agriculture. <laughs> so I called the one with the most relevant experience and I said, you gotta come see my plants. I don't know what's going on. So she comes and she reaches down and she grabs a handful of the dirt and she feels it and she lets it fall out of her hand and she says, what did you put in here? And I said, 
compost. And she said, and? And I said, and more compost. And she said, is that all? And I said, yeah. And she said, well, that's your problem, Mom. She said, these plants need good, complex soil, not just compost. They need nutrients. They need that which is going to help them grow and produce. I said, great, what do we do? And she says, amendments. And I thought, I had no idea that vegetable gardening had to do with the Constitution, but I'm going to go with it with her. So we went off to the nursery again, and I'm not going to say anything about driving home in a hot afternoon in a hot car with eight bags of chicken manure in the back of the car, along with a similar amount of uh, worm castings, which is what's left after the digestion process, and topsoil. And so we mixed them all together. We wheelbarrowed them in, and we shoveled, and we mixed, and we, we got it all so that, like making a cake, we got it all so that it, is, uh, it was even all the way through. And fast forward a few months, and my vegetable plants are beautiful. They're fluffy, and they're big, and they're producing summer vegetables. Because what they needed was the nutrients to allow them to grow and to produce vegetables, which is what they were designed for. My poor winter vegetables were depleted because there was not enough nutrition for them. Now, it was a lot of work. And I have to say, every time I replant new plants now, I amend the soil. And it was smelly work. <laughs> but it was worth it because of the satisfaction of helping these plants produce what they were meant to produce. And that is my call as a vegetable gardener, is to do the work so that it can be successful. Now, our scriptures this morning also are stories of a call. And we start with Moses. Uh, Moses and the burning bush, one of my favorite stories, right? We all love it. And uh, he, he sees a bush that's burning and not consumed, got to see this. And he hears God's voice, and he recognizes that he is standing on holy ground. And from this holy ground, God calls Moses to return to Egypt, where he is wanted for murder, and to convince the Pharaoh to let all of his slaves go, all the free labor. I have an idea, Pharaoh. How about you just let me take them away? Moses doesn't think this is such a hot idea. <laughs> and I have to say, I probably would have been in with Moses on that. And he's like, oh, no, who am I? I don't speak well. He's got all these reasons for why he can't respond to this call. And God says to him, I will be with you. I will be with you. And so Moses goes. 
And this morning's gospel gives us this neat little parable, but it's important to see that the parable is set within the context of a call to repentance. Now Jesus is on his way from Galilee down to Jerusalem for his passion, death, and resurrection, and this thread of teaching has been going through several chapters in Luke. It is a call to repentance. And so as we think about that and what that might mean for us, we have to say, what does it mean to repent? And I'm going to take a chance here, and I'm going to say, what is repentance? And that's an actual question. Any ideas? Repentance. To turn around. Somebody else said? Turn back. Turn around. That's exactly right. Repentance is not to do with shame and guilt. Repentance is to do with change, with turning around and going back toward God. The actual original word in the scriptures is metanoia. Now, it's not metamorphosis, which we understand to be a complete change of body, like a butterfly, caterpillar, and all that sort of thing. It's metanoia, which is, noia is, is your mind. So it is a complete change of mind and heart, which affects your actions and decisions and how you see things. And the word that we use for that is transformation. So Jesus is calling everyone to a complete transformation. So within that, we can look at the parable. Now, transformation gives us, um, it, we've been given something to nourish the roots of the plant in transformation, right? We've had what we needed to grow. Remember, God says, I will be with you. And so as we look at this parable, there are three characters, right? There's the landowner, the vineyard owner, who is demanding and impatient. There is the tree, the fig tree, which has not had any fruit for three years. And some people say, well, it takes him three years to bear fruit, so he should, he should know that. Well, you know what? He does know that, <laughs> so he wouldn't have expected it before then. Maybe this tree used to produce fruit. But for the last three years, there's been no fruit. And then there is the third character, the patient gardener, the one who knows what it takes to nourish this tree, what has to be done. And this gardener is willing to do the work around the tree, digging and putting the manure in so that the tree may flourish and fulfill its purpose. So now you don't have to allegorize um, uh, uh, parables, uh, but we're gonna today, and that is to look at sort of what, what do each one of those three characters represent. So I wanna beg you not to say that the impatient, demanding uh, landowner who is all too ready to ax that tree down I beg you not to say that that represents God, because that is not my experience of God, and I certainly hope it's not 
your experience of God. And I'm going to suggest in this reading this year, right now, not that there aren't more readings, I'm going to suggest that each one of these three characters is a part of our spiritual life, a part of our soul. And so our souls, our spiritual lives, live in the economy of the world, an economy which says the value of people is what they can produce. People are valued by how much of what I want you can produce. And maybe that is true nowhere so much as in the Silicon Valley. Produce, produce, produce. We don't care it wears you out. We don't care you're working gosh knows how many hours a week. Produce, produce, because that's what your value is. Our souls live in that society, and that is a constant temptation for us to cave into believing that that is what is true and really real. But God's economy is different. And our souls, our spiritual lives, must live in God's economy. So then we have this, this poor tree. The tree is exhausted. The tree is beyond tired. The tree was tired five years ago. It's exhausted now. It is depleted. It has no resources. It has nothing it needs in order to produce the fruit that it was meant to produce. And I would guess that all of us have had or have some portion of our souls or our spiritual lives that have been or are in that place, in that place of depletion. The great spiritual masters through the centuries have called it the dark night of the soul. It is wandering in the desert with no water. And so the gardener, the one who knows what it takes to nurture this tree, who is longing to dig around the roots, to put in manure, to water it, uh, to check on it, to, to do everything that has to be done to help it flourish. The gardener, I would say to you, is us also. That is our call. We are called to be the gardeners, the patient and loving gardeners of our own spiritual lives. And through our faithfulness to our spiritual practice, through our sharing through all the different tools that we have to enrich our spiritual life, that we can help that tree bloom and bear fruit. And that is our call as those who follow Jesus. We can see in today's readings that we have kind of a macro level and a micro level. Uh, we've got a community level and a personal level. And they fit together. Because we are never called to just do our own thing to bless ourselves. We are called, we are blessed to be a blessing. 
That is very clear in scripture. We are blessed to be a blessing. And so when we do our own internal work that needs to be done in order to nourish our spiritual lives and our relationship with God, it is in order to go out like Moses did for the community. It is in order to share the gifts that we have received and you cannot share what you do not have but if we if our spiritual trees bloom and fruit the fruit that we share with others is patience compassion forgiveness love joy and peace <laughs>